easily a 20 minute conversation this week about stunt magnets. <laughs> <laughs> this is the life of a maniac. Hey, maniacs. Do you, I feel like a maniac this week. Wow, this is the week of Tuesday. We are recording this on November 7th. So in, a, in the U.S., we are five days away, uh, five days after the election. And on top of everything else that 2020 has brought to us, a joy of joys, this week has been an extra special level of crazy. It's like the horror of Halloween really hasn't stopped for a week. It just keeps going. <laughs> going but not in a fun candy way no yeah though we gotta say we had a great time on halloween oh yeah we had lots of kids and and we were really pleased yeah it was but it was a great beautiful night but we've talked about that already this week is (sighs) yeah but before we get to that midsummer maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the itv series midsummer murders each week we dig in an episode of the show including the murders the ma'am the loonies the dryer lint and everything else we love special emphasis on loonies uh warning if your kids uh don't know how to stay out of the dryer they probably shouldn't be listening to the episode do you ever dry jump in the dryer as a kid no neither did i i was like that's just wrong the closest thing we did was my parents house was kind of old and they had an oil furnace in the basement and so all of our heat registers were these big square cast iron grates in the floor yeah and we would stand over them in our nightgowns me and my sister and let them fill with warm air, and then we would jump in bed. Oh, no. Our dry, our washer and dryer was in a very scary basement. Yeah. So I didn't go anywhere near the dryer. Our, our basement was scary for a whole separate reason, including saloon doors and a wet bar. Yeah. You had <laughs> 70s scary basement. I had 1890s scary basement. <laughs> no, never got in a dryer. So right off the top, a couple of things I want to talk about. Swag! Is swag! Swag alert. We have swag available now. Merch. Merchandise. Merch for a good cause. So what is that cause? Direct relief. They offer all kinds of emergency relief all around the world, including medical kits and food and um, emergency clothes and cleaning supplies and you name it. They're doing it. What what I loved about them is they are nonpartisan, positive technology, positive science, positive medicine. Yep. They're a health-based charity. Yep. And we need health-based charities right yes, now. Yes, we do for all kinds of reasons. They help. One of the things they're developing is a better mask right now. That's great. So, so. You may have seen that we announced this week that our merch shop is open. Well, we were overwhelmed with orders already. It's, it's awesome. fantastic. It's incredible. So we opened the store via Spreadshirt. And what Spreadshirt does is it puts a flat percentage on top of the cost of producing an item. So for example, for a $20 t-shirt, there's $5 on top of that. And, and if we were a profitable group, then that would be our profit. But instead, everything that is above and beyond the cost of producing the item, the shirt, the mug, whatever, we are going to donate directly to Direct Relief. We will keep none of it. Yep. Not a single cent of it is going to We're even going to pay the taxes. Yep. If you buy something, know that everything on top of the cost of producing that item is going straight to Direct Relief. 
Our goal is to raise $500 before Christmas. Yep. We are well on our way. I, I think we're not, uh, we're going to blow through that pretty quickly. I hope so. That would be so that great. That would be fantastic. That would be awesome. And that's all you guys. Yep. We've got Benbow t-shirts and Rainbird Funeral Services t-shirts and Socko Fox and Brian Clapper sweatsuit. Nobody seems to like my Brian Clapper sweatsuit design. I, like, I want to get a Brian Clapper sweatsuit sticker. <laughs> we have stickers? Yes. Travel mugs. Tote bags. Tote bags, t-shirts, sweatshirts, you name it. I made sure that we've got some curvy sizes for those of us who are not petite ladies. The uh, item I featured yesterday was the uh, Bembo tote. <laughs> Which is just fun to say. Yep. So is Socko tote. Yes. If you suggested a design and you don't see it there, it's not because I didn't like it. I just wanted to get some of them done and get the store open so people could start buying some fun stuff. So we'll have a few waves of designs yeah, come out. So. We may add a couple and, um, you know, in like two weeks, maybe we'll add a few more. Um, I'm still working on some, but it's, it, it's awesome to raise money for such a good cause. Yeah. It's awesome to know that there will be people out in the world and already all over the world wearing Midsummer Maniacs stuff. Yes. And hopefully seeing one another and going, oh my gosh, I didn't know you listened to that podcast. You know, that would be great if it's bird conversation. And personally, it's very cool to think that somebody is going to be wearing something that I designed. That's really fun. Yep. So Uh, that's all updated with the new logo, of course. Mm -hmm. Also, we updated our logo a bit and the address. It's going to be in the show notes. It's going to be in every promotional thing that we send out for the next little while. But just in case you don't click on it there, it is HTTP colon backslash backslash shop dot spreadshirt dot com slash midsummer dash maniacs dash podcast. Basically, if you go to Spreadshirt and search for Midsummer Maniacs, yeah, you're going to find it. Yeah. And I'm going to put the link everywhere. Yeah. So don't think you had to write that down or anything. <laughs> I can't believe you put the HTTP thing in there. I'm you don't old, need that. I'm old school, man. Backslash, backslash, <laughs> WW. Now, wait. We have breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> from Washington. I know. Again, it's November 7th. Yep. And the breaking news from Washington is not what you think. No. Yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? I think it was yesterday. Yesterday. The Midsummer's Facebook, the official Midsummer Murders Facebook account posted some very interesting pictures. It was a picture of John Barnaby. And what was in the background? The Capitol building. That's the U.S. Capitol building, by and the way. the Lincoln Memorial. Not the Lincoln Memorial. The Washington Memorial. We think. Barnaby is going to Washington. Is one of the new episodes set in America? If so, that's incredibly exciting. And And why were we not invited? Exactly. Why were we not there? We should have been invited. Because we're not allowed to go anywhere. That's why. (laughs) I would have driven there to watch it being filmed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Midsummer is being filmed in America. We're going. Yes. How dare they not tell us? (laughs) We should be informed. Oh, we wish we were that important. It's so weird because it, it, to, 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 I do explain this to a couple of new people, and I'll have to explain it next week to a couple of new people, that we do a recap podcast for a show that's still on, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird, but we don't do the latest episodes. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> we haven't caught up to them yet. Yes, we're, we're almost to halfway. Okay, so this episode is 
Hearts. Midsummer Life, Season 11, Episode 4. And this is our 63rd episode. Yes, it is. Filmed in October, November uh, 2007. Broadcast on the 13th of July, 2008. 7.16 million viewers. Directed by Peter Smith and written by Dave Hoskins. This episode makes up for so many episodes recently that have been overly dark, overly serious. They, we are back in bonkers town. Difficult to find any kind of funniness in. Everybody's bonkers. Everybody's bonkers. The method of death is always fun. Sometimes, <laughs> is that wrong to say it's like, fun? <laughs> like Sometimes we have tr- difficulty coming up with the names of the episodes because we have something funny to say or something. In the podcast, it's also serious. This episode, I'm, I, I don't know. Like, It's a struggle to choose. 10 names we could have for this episode. The because, dryer of death. Because in the first 30 seconds, literally 30 seconds, we have Brad's magical traveling lump. Oh, Brad. He's Brad, got this Brad, big Brad. lump on the side of his head. Which is not something that the actor, uh, whose name is Samuel Oatley, has in any other thing I, no, no. I looked around. And not in this episode. The, the lump goes away in this episode. Or, or did it travel to a different spot on his body? He because had, it switches sides of his forehead. He had a very bad day with that lump. <laughs> and he is sitting somewhere listening to this podcast going, I can't believe they're talking about that lump. Of course they noticed the lump. It's probably a great big zit. That's probably what it is. The poor actor who does a great job. Oh, he is fantastic at being the most annoying person in the play. Absolutely. He is. But in the very first scenes, we see him see the car that Charlie uh, Finlayson uh, is dead in. We see him see the car and the lump is on one side of his head. And then when he's looking in through the window, it's on the other side. And this is not some CGI magic or some makeup magic. It's because they reversed the footage for some reason. But it made this giant lump on his head swap sides. Magic. The first thing I did was send you an IM and go, did you notice that Brad's magical traveling lump moves around his head? (laughs) I'm sorry, Mr. Samuel Oatley, that we're talking about your And Samuel, you do a great job, and I'm never going to advocate violence, but you have the most punchable face ever. (laughs) At least in this episode. You just look at him, and you're like, that face needs to be punched He doesn't even have to say anything. He just gives you that big smile with all those teeth with a little bit of sneer, and you're just like, oh, you are cruising for a bruise. Not even that. This the picture in the magazine. He's just like. Uh, I obviously hit- don't believe anything you're saying. Uh, are you going to like uh, hit me? <laughs> uh. So we have a number of things here. Yes. So the backbone of this episode is there is a magazine called Midsummer Life. Yes. Which is a local magazine that represents things going on locally. And there's a whole kind of cottage industry for these magazines. Our town has one. Yeah. Ours um, is called Bloom. Yeah. They're free magazines that are completely supported by advertising. So they'll have like paid content from local businesses and things in them, plus a few articles here and there and some local photography. They're county magazines, usually in the UK, um, and they're used locally, but they're also distributed to at a distance to travel agencies and stuff to promote the local travel. And then the second thread that runs through this whole thing is city people who come to the country 
to off road to mess everything up. Boy, there are a lot of mud tire pictures here. You know, I thought this off road center was really lame. Like, what is it like a quarter of a mile? It it looks like it's it doubles over itself and everything else. Like, how many of these big trucks can you fit on there at once? And I went looking for other. Um, for real examples of off-road centers in the UK, and they all look exactly like that. And like, pe- how how long can you drive before somebody has to tow you? That's the game yeah. that you're playing. And and that is put in opposition to the yobs in the pub, led by the butcher. He's got a striped apron on under his jacket all the time with his little car. Yes, he's got a little <laughs> Land fir- Rover. The first bar fight caused by a, a toy is the pub, the bar. At the Moorcroft Hotel, the only bar in Midsummer Sunning. Apparently, it is. Because it looks like a high-end hotel bar, but everybody hangs out there like it's the local pub. And it has, for a show that we've seen that has a lot of low-ceiling pubs, it's like bright and airy. Because it's a hotel bar. Yeah. It's not a pub. It's weird. So let's get to Maggot Leg. Okay. Is it his leg or his arm? Don't know. I don't know, but there's maggots. Brad doesn't know because he stunt passes. Stunt maggots. It. We had easily a 20-minute conversation this week about stunt maggots. <laughs> <laughs> this is the life of a maniac. Well, because I know that there are animal handlers on every set where there is any kind of animal in a TV show, and it's very important that the animals are handled correctly and that they're treated humanely and taken care of. But I wondered if that extended all the way down to something as humble as a maggot. Like, is there an insect handler there who has to retrieve each and every one of those and make sure that they go back in their little container and that they're treated okay? Or could they just like brush them off into the leaves and be like, well, they're just maggots. They're going to be flies in two days, whatever. There's also a fly handler because there's a lot of flies in that car too. a lot of flies in that car too. Only about two of them are real. The rest of them are just laying on a piece of paper, but. There's a job for you, kids. If you're listening, you too could aspire to be a maggot handler. Again, another name for the episode. (laughs) I will not make a maggot handler t-shirt. So all all of this, all of this (laughs) in the first 30 seconds. And then we spend a whole bunch of time talking about how the film is reversed. It's flipped. Okay. So that Brad's lump can travel. So that's the reason why Brad's lump can travel. And if you notice on the front of the car, it's a Lexus. It's flipped. Yeah. So it's actually a Jexus. But we could not figure out why they had to reverse that footage. There's there's no logical reason for it. The, The dead body and the flashbacks and the scenes that we see also switches from the driver's side to the passenger side and the steering wheel also switches from the driver's side to the passenger side so that anyone in North America and or Britain has no idea what this car is doing, what directions <laughs> it's pointing or anything. Or whether Brad is looking into the window that is already broken or the other side of the car. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but it's just fun to notice. I love when he passes out. Let's say he does such a good job. His eyes roll up. You hate him already. And then he passes out and you're like, oh, you immediately get that gratification of comeuppance. (laughs) So all of that. Maybe he gets some maggots. We're like 15 minutes into this podcast. Oh, not even that. No, no. We're 15 minutes into this podcast episode. And then Selena Cadell shows up and we're like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. So, Selena Cadell from the first episode. Yeah, she played Phyllis Cadell um, in The Killing at Badger's Drift. 
which is weird because it's the same last name. Yeah. But this time she's Eleanor Crouch. Such a better name. But a worse person. <laughs> oh my God. She is the nosiest, most alcoholic busybody ever. You've got something on your lips. Your Salvador Dali mustache. <laughs> Merlot smile. I love how she, she licks the tissue and, and cleans her own face with it. She just has a glass of wine going all the time. The whole time. <laughs> and the only reason why Eleanor has a job at the hotel is that when Moorcroft's parents pass the hotel on to him as a family business, they said, you have to keep Eleanor on. Like, what did she have on them <laughs> that they said that they had to keep her? So she can't get fired. So she basically just does what she wants, sits around, drinks wine, and is a busybody. And she is interested in what is in the the latest issue of Midsummer Life. Of course she is. And I'm interested in two things. What that building is, because A, I want that building. Yeah. And B, it's kind of weird it's set apart. Yeah. Right? So I'm interested in Nearly everything is connected on a high street like that, and it is a building on its own. What that building is. And second of all, I'm more interested in what the last issue of uh, Midsummer Life had on the cover. Okay. Because it's in the in the case. display case. Yeah. So what did you learn? Did you see what the headline was? No. The headline is The Rise and Rise of the Garden Shed. <laughs> rise and Rise? Yeah. Like I think they're saying there's the, instead of rise and fall, they're saying the rise and rise again of the garden uh, shed. Oh, you know, local magazines, they look really hard for stories. I, I worked really hard to see that. <laughs> There's some production person listening to this podcast that goes, finally, somebody saw that. <laughs> I could tell you the kerning and the, and the, uh, the layout of the actual stories is really bad. Oh. <laughs> If you're not a nerd like me, kerning is the space between lettering in a paragraph when you lay out a, a page layout like in a magazine and, yep. and the letters are like three points apart in yep. every word. <laughs> so she wants to get the magazine because there's an article coming up in the next issue. Yes. That is reviewing the Moorcroft Hotel. Where she works. Yes. But they kind of give away the plot. That it's a bad review. Yes, because. Within the preview of the review are the following comments. A well-oiled receptionist, sheets with a little too much, which is a weird thing, a little too much, acrylic in their blend of fiber. For some hours after leaving the establishment, I felt a bit itchy. (laughs) Uh, And then the article starts with what looks like a paradise hotel is hiding lots of nasty surprises. In our next issue, the famous restaurant and hotel critic. He's famous. Guy Sandys. Oh, wait a minute. It's just Sands. It's just Sands. We'll be reviewing the overrated Moorcroft Hotel. There's no surprise there. (laughs) (laughs) Will it be a good review or a bad review? I don't know. And the title is Hotel Not So Paradiso. Mm -hmm. So I immediately think. What's Hotel Paradiso? No, I don't. I think, what is that related to Cinema Paradiso? Oh. So Cinema Paradiso is a movie that came out, I believe, in the 90s. Is that I-O at the end? D-C-O instead of just D-S-O? I don't know. Okay. Um, About a little boy going to a movie theater. It's about the love of movies. It's a beautiful piece of art. Okay. And I was like, are they making reference to that? And then I did a search 
Hotel Paradiso. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is a 1966 movie with that it's based on. That's what the review is referencing. Wow. That's a kind of far back throwback, isn't it? Like how many readers the magazine would know about something that was 40 years ago? They're aiming for a certain demographic there then. Well, I tell you, I went in on a rabbit hole on the poster for this particular movie. (laughs) Is it actually a good hotel in the movie? I have no idea. Oh. It's about a writer who goes to Paris to write and the weird things that happen in the hotel he's staying at. Okay. I would assume that it's a nice hotel because this is not so nice. Uh, Frank Frazetta uh, did the artwork for the poster. Didn't he do the artwork for like heavy metal or something? He did lots of heavy metal. He's mostly well known for gigantically muscled men and barely clad women. Conan. Yeah. Yeah. Conan and stuff like that. But he did a lot of movie posters in the 60s and 70s. Gosh, now I just I just want to see um, a Frazetta style poster for Midsummer with Eleanor in it. <laughs> <laughs> On a big rock. Yeah. <laughs> no big pile of towels. <laughs> With her wine glass in her hand like a sword. Luckily, we then have an interspersement of Garth's hut of charcoal and murder. He's not a killer. He just disposes of bodies, Mark. Jeez. But (laughs) there are two shots in this episode that are weird. Why we cut to Garth there Mm -hmm. is weird because he hears the siren. Yeah. And then the the do not disturb sign of weirdness. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's when um, the do not disturb sign is when uh, Guy is being killed. Yes. Right. So Charlie is dead in his car. He's had a heart attack. He was there spying on his wife, Christina, because Guy Sands is her ex-husband. And he stole Christina away from Guy and they moved to Kensington. So they're very... Wealthy, famous, rich people. They live in a very nice part of London. But she's slumming it, visiting her brother, Martin, who's the bartender at the hotel. But her husband is suspicious of where she is, so he's spying on her. And because they got Garth and Julia think that that's Tomlin spying on them, Garth chases them. He has a heart attack and dies. Yes. Natural causes, right? Natural causes. He dies of natural causes in his car. Why does Christina only date old people? I don't know. Also... Why do I hate her every time she opens her mouth? Because she's nasty, mean, uncooperative, and wears a beret for no purpose. Okay. That's why. Because I kind of like her every other part. When she's not being nasty, like, I hoped you'd go away. Yeah. And it just makes you, it just reminds you that she was in another episode. She was in Market for Murder playing Jenny Sharp, where she had to dive into the pool to get the big ashtrays out and then got killed. Yep. She got killed. So you're just kind of waiting for her to get conked with an ashtray. But. Yeah, unfortunately, no. And we meet Gemma and Julia. Eggs? <laughs> no. Gemma. Eggs? Gemma, played by Debbie Chazen. She's so good. She was in Strangler's Wood. Eggs? Where she was supposed to be a foreigner. From Brazil. From- Brazil, Brazil, Brazil yeah. With very eggs. weird accent. No eggs. But this time... Uh, she's a wildlife illustrator who, who draws cannibal birds <laughs> and we baby badgers. Those illustrations are good. They are good. They're good. I don't know about the cannibal bird one. It's kind of strange. <laughs> it looked like there was, it was a fine piece of line art and then somebody put some white out on it and drew a bird in another bird's mouth. <laughs> okay. I have a question. Yeah. What is in the 
front of Midsummer Life, the window. Like on the window? No, no. In the there's a little display in the window. Oh, I don't know. Uh, there's a badger. Like Is it a like taxidermy? Yeah. Like okay. A stuffed badger and what looks to be a porcupine with sunglasses on. Like it's like blind. O- okay. It's very strange. I don't think you want to put taxidermy in a window where it gets sun on uh, it. Yeah. Wouldn't that start to reek a little bit? The I chemicals? Would, I don't know. I would think so. So this place. Listeners, if you have taxidermy that you keep in a sunny spot, let us know. So this is, this is how my life goes with these episodes. I'm like, oh, I need to find the address of that thing right there. You want to know exactly so where that building really every is. Every time that shows up, I'm like looking in the background. For and context. Context and stuff like that. What got me there was the Nags Head Inn, which is across the street. Oh, I thought it would have been like the HSB Bank or something like there's that. Like so the many, real businesses that are so, there. No, no, there. The Nags Head Inn is a real business. Oh, okay. Um, Where is it? Right beside the HBC across the... Th- no, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> what city is it in, okay. you doofus? So this is called Market House. It's on North Street in Tem. So okay. we've been to Tem lots of times. Yes. But so I, I saw the Nags Head, like, found it and looked on Google Maps and all the things that I have to do to find it. But it is a citizen's advice now. What is that? It is an outreach surgery run by the the TEM Council. The service provides free, independent, confidential, and impartial advice to everyone on their rights and responsibilities. So not a surgery. No, no. You said surgery. It it says surgery in the thing, but I don't know why it says. It values diversity, promotes equality, and challenges discrimination. Something that would never appear in the United States. It's an advice center. You just go there and ask for advice about yeah, like, like taxes or anything. local ordinances yeah. or something? Oh, okay. Wow. Who gets those internships? Yeah. I got to do a year at the advice center. Because I can only imagine it's the same kind of folks coming in over and over and over again. Citizens advice. Huh. That's interesting. But- I make fun of it, but it's probably a really good service. It probably is really helpful. Now, the Moorcroft Hotel is in Tem too, but mm-hmm. it's not called the Moorcroft. Okay. It's called the Spread Eagle Hotel, which is a Oh, that's a bad name. It's a bad name for a hotel. That's really bad. Yeah. Uh, but the famous thing is uh, Charles II stayed there. That phrase must not mean the same in England as it means uh, here. Because if you say somebody's Spread Eagle, it means that their ankles are really far apart. Yes. Usually for a reason. Yeah. And not a good. No. Well, it depends. <laughs> it could be good, I guess. So then, this is, this is the maniac trip I go down. Really, this is just documents maniac trips. So I'm like, Charles II stayed there. Why the crap would he stay there? It's like in Tim. It's like 25 minutes out of London. Oh, that's a three-day trip back then. And I'm like, Charles II, okay, it's, it's 57 miles. Yeah. It would have taken so days. It, w- it would have definitely taken a day at the very least yeah. to get there. It would have been time to rest your horses by you, the time you got that far. By far. Yeah. So, so it makes sense then. But I was like, that's a 20 minute drive. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't Charles drive? There? 
It'd be like us going over to Kroger to stay over. Like, oh, it's so far. But those roadside inns, that's what they were for. You rested your horses or you swapped your horses out. You got a meal. You slept for the night. You got back on the road in the morning. That's that's what they were for. And then we go to uh, the Moorcroft Hotel and Martin reading a review. So he's kind of reliving the review of his hotel. I don't understand why he would even keep that. No. Okay. This is... Yes, I don't understand this because Martin Reed, who's now the bartender at the Moorcroft Hotel, used to own a restaurant that has been reviewed by the magazine. He no longer owns the restaurant. It went into receivership. He went bankrupt. Somebody else is running the restaurant now. So why does he care what the reviews say? It's not his anymore. I don't know. To give you a a hint of my strangeness. One of the times that we see Mr. Tomlin in here mm-hmm. being mysterious outside. Yeah. In the background. Oh, he's looking at the Midsummer Life building. Right. In the background <laughs> is Green's furnishings, the house of carpet. I was so desperate to find out where that building where was. that building was that I almost called Green's furnishing and asked them what their old location was because they've moved to a new location. You are a nerd. They're a super interesting, fun family that sells home furnishings. And carpets. So if you need home furnishings and tents, go to Green Furnishings. No, they're not there anymore. No, no, they're, they just moved in town. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... Why do you have a display of a magazine if you hate it? I, I don't know, because Moorcroft advertises in it, but that's kind of moot if you pick it up in the hotel. You're already there. <laughs> and you sell wine by the glass, and what are those things behind you? Well, there's a range of things. Yeah. But the thing that I noticed most was a cardboard display with packets of peanuts on it for Big D's Peanuts. What caught my eye was the half-naked seductive blonde on the cardboard. Wait a minute. I missed that? Oh, yeah. It's okay. I took a picture. Okay. I'm like, wait a minute. What does she have to do with peanuts? What is up with that? Big D's nuts. Turns out Big D's nuts has always advertised with half-naked ladies, like page three ladies. Well, they're a pub food. They even do a calendar. Oh, they do. That is not safe for work unless you work in that kind of place. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's bad, but it, and it but doesn't, imagine, it doesn't fit a nice hotel at all. Can you imagine planters? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Peanut being all scanty and spread eagle. <laughs> it's just so weird to you see. You know, he those, doesn't, he doesn't wear pants. Those, so who knows what we would see? Those little things between Europe and America that never would but just fly. don't translate Advi- yeah like they have an advice center that's great i wish we invite advice centers i bet you there would be an advice center in bloomington that would help people yeah right they're usually called welcome centers but then on the other end they have page three girls and big d's <laughs> oh man just just do a quick google of big d's retro advertising and wow okay it's not safe for kids to see it i have an existential question here mm-hmm. are the- you are you extracting the michael is that what you're about to do no <laughs> you remember when brad said that yes he meant taking the mickey yes <laughs> are you extracting the michael are ex- what are you trying to be fancy or are you just stupid there is a brad discussion to have and yes. we will have okay it. sorry i'll hold back on the brad discussion is cully in this episode her picture is and her wedding photos are. Yeah, her wedding photos. And she's on the phone. She's on the phone. But we don't hear her. 
Barnaby's having a birthday. Joyce is very busy in this episode. I got to tell you, I have to tell you, I'm disappointed because we don't get to find out when Barnaby's birthday is. No. No, there are no dates anywhere on anything. I look. But I sympathize with Joyce in this episode because she says that Tom is so hard to buy a gift for. And you are really hard to buy gifts for. I am hard to buy for. You are. You know what you could buy me? Hmm. Some Midsummer Maniac swag. <laughs> Goes to a good cause. Plug that merch. Plug that merch. We see the cop shop for the first time in the episode, and there are some exciting new posters there. There are some exciting new posters. One says... Out on the lash, don't flash your cash. <laughs> so apparently drunk people get mugged or something. I, I don't know. And the other one says, you've got to shop them to stop them. About uh, shoplifters. Yep. you got to shop them to stop them. Oh, fun, fun. So at this office, off-road center, mm-hmm. and, and we might as well talk about Brad. now. So this is the conceit of the episode in terms of Brad and his little posse which entails his miniature girlfriend who headbutts people. They're called Metro Tossers. Okay. It's Brad and the Metro Tossers. His miniature girlfriend who headbutts, his miniature Metro Tosser girlfriend who headbutts headbutts people. people, Him and the Metro Tossers. Yes. Now, immediately I love Brad because he has the punchable face and he passes out and he's, he's so easy to hate. Yes. But then he goes and mentions Werewolf in London. Yeah, and you're like, oh, like, maybe you're you. okay. I love you. So and the, then he opens his mouth again, and you're like, nope, hit him. Smack no. him. <laughs> He's such a jerk to Garth for no reason at all. Now, Garth the murderer, I have to explain. I forgot that Julia's Julia was the, the murderer. murderer and thought that Garth was the murderer. Yeah. So I'm like, don't do that to Garth, because he's going to kill you, man. <laughs> he might still. <laughs> Yeah, there's this weird hierarchy, right? So Guy Sands shows up at the off-road center and Brad immediately starts insulting him as being a toff. You're fancy, you and your old school ties and your buddies and your private schools and you're so fancy and rich, right? He knows Guy Sands. Because he used to work for Guy Sands in the big city, right? So he's like, oh, you just think you're so special. And little people like me, you don't care about. But then he immediately turns around. And treats Garth like dirt. Yeah, like. Wait a minute, are you a little person or not? Do you not think they could afford a little better chairs for the outdoor seating? I don't think they deserve any. Uh. Especially when Mandy just drops her trash on the ground. Mandy the head butter metro author. Oh, Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. There's a trash can right there. <laughs> they did that on purpose. It's like, and we want you to just look like as much of an asshole as possible. Just drop the trash as close to the trash can as you can, but without any intent of getting it in the trash can. I think Mandy and Brad do a great job. Oh yeah, they're awesome. And Mandy is played by Mayanna Burring, and she's been in all kinds of things since. She's kind of slumming it in a Midsummer episode. Yeah, she, I recognized her. And she's so, she has like two lines in the yeah. whole episode. And a headbutt. Otherwise, she just stands behind Brad and sneers at people. Yeah, yeah, what he said. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's really tall. And she's really short. Yes. <laughs> to get them in the shot together must be difficult sometimes. She must have been on a box a couple of times. <laughs> On a scully box. I love... Do you know they call them in the industry now, scully boxes? Yeah, because in X-Files, she used to stand on a box. Yeah, because she was so she so would be much like shoulder height at least. So much shorter than Mulder. I love the line in the restaurant review that says that they have the culinary instinct of a lollipop. Yep. I don't know what that means. <laughs> a confection of overworked pretentiousness. Vile sludge. <laughs> like, wow. So... When I was doing my master's degree, 
one job I had for a very short time was I wrote, I was one of a few people who wrote restaurant reviews for Nouveau magazine. Remember oh, Nouveau? Yeah, it was a yeah. news, kind of a newspaper magazine thing. It's still going on, I think. And we were told that you always find something positive to say. You can yeah. critique things and point out the negatives and tell people what to avoid. But in the end, you should always be encouraging people to go out and to eat at restaurants. Restaurant business is not an easy road to hoe. Right. So you find something that is worth ordering and talk about it. And then you mention, but I would avoid this, this, and this. Yeah. We, we would never have gotten away with saying vile sludge. Well, he's the editor-in-chief, too, so he could say whatever he wants. Well, and, and, uh, and he's independently wealthy and doesn't have to make a profit on the magazine, so he can ban Moorcroft from, you know, marketing in the magazine and well, everything else. he also has he a can pool. can say exactly what he wants. His girlfriend and her boyfriend can go bonking? I guess. I guess. So there is something in this episode that I could not figure out. It's not a big thing, but we often ask our viewers to help us out a little bit. Yep. And if you look at 23 minutes and 18 seconds, this is when Tomlin is sitting in his car watching Julia leave the Midsummer Life building. Okay. There is a building that is kitty corner to Midsummer Life. It's closer to the camera than that building. And it's like a Tudor style building. And on the front sidewalk, very near the door, there is a black and white striped pole that comes up out of the pavement with a globe light fixture on the top that flashes. Oh. And I don't know what it is. I wonder if it's still there. We'll have to look, see if it's still there. Yeah, because it's it definitely associated with the building. It's not like a traffic light or anything like no, no. that. And it's not a barber pole. No. It's weird. So 23 minutes, 18 seconds. If you take a look, if you figure out what it is, let me know. I'm once curious. we go to, once we're allowed to go to places and we go to Tim, because we have to go to Tim. Now. Well, yeah, everything's um, there. We'll have to have a look for that. You grew up on a farm yes. where there were bovines. Yes. Girl cows can have horns. Yes. I thought that was common knowledge. No, it's not common knowledge. Because Brad's like, somebody put some bulls in that field. And Garth is like, I think you'll find their cows. Yeah. Bulls are cows. Yes. Okay. So. Or when you say cow, do you, are you inferring that it's a female? You're inferring. I thought that was a heifer. That's. That's what it is. Heifers and bulls are both cows. Heifer is a female cow and bull is a male cow and a steer is a castrated bull. Right. So. So they're all cows. So when he says they're bulls and Garth says they're cows, they're both right. Yes. Except they could be female cows. Yes. In which case they would not be bulls. And not. <laughs> and the Is the implication that a female cow is not going to charge you even if it has horns? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the horns are tiny on female cows. Yes. But they still have them. Did you want to shout at Guy, open the envelope? What's in the envelope? Stop carrying around the mysterious envelope. It might as well have said on the front of it, mysterious envelope. Yeah. It like, it comes in the door, it goes in his desk, he puts it on the dash of his car, he carries it around. Why does he take it off the dash of his car when he's going to go talk about the contract to the other guy? I don't know. Because he wants to carry it around and taunt us with it. Oh. Bet you want me to open this envelope. Bet you want to know what's inside. Too bad. You won't find out until later. What's wrong with paintballing? <laughs> <laughs> Only an asshole like Brad yeah. would say that. What's wrong with paintballing? paintballing. <laughs> okay, if you do it, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. And At yeah. least when you're doing and it. We're not making fun of paintball. No. We're making fun of that stereotypical person who says, what's wrong with paintball? Huh? What's wrong with off-roading? Huh? When... Paintballing must have been huge in England at a certain time 
because like it's in space. It's like in a lot of things. I think it, it was one of the ways that places that were more rural, more villagey, drew people from the city out into the countryside in ways that they thought city people would like. So you've got a lot of like corporate training centers in the countryside, right? Where they have like obstacle courses yeah. and things like that. And you've got paintball centers and off-road centers and four by four buggy riding places and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, we have an and episode coming up. Brad is the kind up. of guy who would completely buy into all that. We stuff. have an episode coming up with the uh, obstacle course. Yes, we do. And we've had one before. Yeah. Um, when So we know that Julia kills Tomlin, not at the hotel, but then throws his stuff out the window and puts a do not disturb sign on the door Yeah, to make it appear as if he is still there and he's not checked out. Yes. Did you notice the do not disturb sign? It's, the whole shot is weird. It's lit weird. It's slow-mo. It's slow-mo for some reason. It's just her hand in a leather glove. She hangs it on the door and then it swings a little bit. But what it's got on it is it says do not disturb, but then it has a circle with a line across it. Yeah. And like a little dude behind that, like, like no to this guy. Okay. Do not disturb. Don't disturb that guy. But the first thing I I thought of, the shape of the dude is interesting. Okay. His pants are very large at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I spent a lot of time on this dude. Well, I've never seen, it's almost like a do not walk. Yeah. Symbol, kind of. And usually those are as generic as possible, the people yeah. that those show. But he is clearly wearing flares. <laughs> so I immediately thought, like, do not disturb the hippie. Like, don't do the hustle here. <laughs> you know, do the hustle. No, don't do the hustle. Or no strutting in bell bottoms. Not allowed to do that. And don't disturb me. It's just weird. Christina's going home. Not Christina. Eleanor's going home. Oi, media baron. Eleanor is just priceless. I don't know how. And I love how to somebody's face, she will say, actually, you had six minutes and that's plenty long enough for you to go off and kill that person. Yeah. Sorry. Just saying. I know who the killer is, but I'm not going to tell you guys. (laughs) Like she is cruising for it. Um. Both Eleanor and Christina say some amazingly funny things in this episode that is a testament to their acting ability that they didn't just start laughing right away. (laughs) I love her Salvador Dali mustache. That is such a clever line from Martin. Yeah. Martin's a clever guy. Yes. Yeah. He's definitely better qualified than he needs to be to be a bartender. She doesn't get the attention of the media baron because it's a dead guy. Oh, see what I did there? Wow. He got stabbed with a letter spike. Yeah, those letter spikes would never do that. Oh, I think they would. No. The thing is, they're never attached to the base with enough. like, Like, I think it would break off. Oh, I don't know. Depends which one you got. I immediately thought the one that my dad used to have when he worked at a um, auto body and an auto repair shop when I was little because it terrified me. They would put the work orders on it when they were done with them. They would put yeah. them on the spike and it was this cast iron disc with this big spike through it and they were like one piece. Wow. You definitely could definitely kill, somebody kill somebody with somebody it. With that. And, you know, she does tap him on the shoulder first, Mark. She does. The tap of death. So he spins into the spike. You know, she's got his momentum working in her favor. I guess. Mrs. Wilson 
keeps calling Tomlin, and Eleanor so wants to know why. (laughs) (laughs) And we want to know why. It's like, Eleanor's like, well, do you want me to give him a message? No, he knows why I'm calling. Do you want to leave your number? No, he has my number. Like, but why are you calling? What? Will you please tell me? Because I'm very nosy. Excuse me. I'm a nosy person, so I need to know. Hold on. I need a drink of wine. <laughs> she is almost the same character that she played in Badger's Drift. Almost. Like, if Phyllis Cadell had moved out of the big house, yep. you know, and, and gone out and, be- and had become an independent person, she could very well have become Eleanor. Can we, can we go over Guy's last day? Sure. Because it's weird, right? He starts at Midsummer Life. Guy's big last day. And then he goes to the outdoor center. Right. To cancel Moorcroft's advertising contract. And then he goes home to get yelled at by his ex-wife. Who waits seemingly for hours and then just stomps off as soon as he gets there. And then he goes back to the Midsummer Life offices. Mm-hmm. What, like, He's got work to do. But why did he go home? Somebody's got to lay out that magazine. It's not Julia. No. It's only two of them. Why does he go home other than to be yelled at by his ex-wife? Well, it's another place for him to carry the envelope. Yes. So maybe that's why. Maybe it's a contract killer. Out of nowhere. I don't know why you're so upset about that. It makes perfect sense to me that they would suspect that maybe Tomlin is a contract It's not that I'm mad. It's just the idea comes out of nowhere. It's not suggested. It's assumed right away. That it's possible. Yes. I'm always, uh, I always wonder in British shows why they call somebody's planner their diary. Yes. We've been rewatching Thick of It lately just because I just, if I'm going to watch something political, it's got to have Peter Capaldi just cursing if you haven't watched thick of it usher the children out of the room oh my gosh it it is the most f word per capita word in a show ever but it's awesome the brit box trailer is awesome because it's all just beep yeah it's just beep 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 where was i going tons of midsummer people oh so they refer to ministers' diaries a lot in Thick of It because it's yeah. like their official record of what they were doing that day, yeah. you know, that they can uh, question what they were spending their time on. But they talk about Guy's diary yeah. to, to see where he had appointments or what he was busy doing. And we would never call that a diary here. No. We call it a planner, his calendar, his appointment book. But here, a diary is like a personal journal that's very private. Nobody would ever say, "Um, excuse me, I need to see your diary. (laughs) Uh -uh. No, that's where where, uh, Eleanor puts her secret. Yes. She was copulating with him. What is up with that line? (laughs) So this, who says this? Christina. Christina says this. I love, I know that. About Julia. About Julia and Guy. Yeah. Right? So. Maybe she's a little bit jealous that her ex-husband is sleeping with another woman, but she just walks out of the room out of nowhere and says she was copulating with Guy on a regular basis. Forgive my attire. Like, wouldn't you say, you know, they were sleeping together. Yeah. Or they were having an affair. Yeah. Or they were lovers or something. But, and Tomlin went to prison for a sexually motivated murder. Yes. What is that? (laughs) At the, at the point where we're supposed to start liking Thompson, Tomlin, Tom. Tom, Tomlin. Tomlin. I'm still like stuck with sexually motivated murder. That he didn't do. Is this the nastiest milkman in all of Midsummer? <laughs> <laughs> You're a nasty milkman. <laughs> Out 
out of nowhere is this nasty milk man who does not appear in the credits. No. It's lined and does not appear in the credits. No. Obviously, it's a dude from the crew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll play the milkman. You're going to be sorry you asked me to. And we're going to have to just talk about Joyce in the whole episode at once because she has some gem lines. So the Joyce storyline is this. She needs two things for Barnaby's birthday. The first thing she needs is death charcoal. (laughs) She needs charcoal. Murder charcoal. So that she can make him cook his own birthday dinner. Yes. Yes. And she needs a present. A present. Now... Barnaby solves the second thing by saying, I like this picture. Sort of. Sort of. She's like, look how good this is. Isn't isn't this great? And he's like, uh. And she's like, Eureka, I have the perfect gift. He clearly loves these badgers. Now, knowing what we know, 63 episodes, what would you buy Tom Barnaby for his birthday? I, I would buy him a day of peace. I would say, here's the TV. There's a match on. What do you want for snacks? No one will bother. That's what I would give him. I would throw his phone in the toilet, lock the door, and say, it's all you. I was thinking. And he would be very happy. Because I don't know why I do this. I always think this. This is my default gift. I was thinking there's got to be some sort of coffee table book of the history of cricket that he would enjoy looking through. If he ever got a chance. If he ever got a chance. No. I would buy him a day of being left alone. And maybe I'm projecting a little bit. Maybe that's what I want. But I think he would like it. So because she's going to use Gemma's picture, she goes to Gemma's house. The cottage that she shares with Garth. The million dollar cottage they share. Yeah. She has a giant studio. Did you want her studio? In the loft? I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like our house is a bunch of rooms, but I wanted that studio. Yeah, I did too. Did you notice the millstones up front? Millstones on a stick. Millstones on a stick. That's right from my notes. <laughs> <laughs> They're very small. Yeah. And I, I wondered if they weren't even actually stone they may not be millstones because they look one of them at least looks wood okay so So they may be modern art well now we'll leave joyce okay because we have the ending to deal with i can't help hearing things if people insist on telling me (laughs) that's one of my favorite lines in this somebody walks past the money spinner i forget who exactly does it i think it's julia when she's in town and I'm like, the money spinner? What the hell is the money spinner? Yeah, what is that? It's a store? It's a store in Tim. Uh, it's not there anymore, but it used to be a hardware store. It's like a dollar store hardware store. They have a million interesting things out front. I want to go to the dollar spinner, the money spinner. <laughs> Why would you call it money spinner? That sounds like a tombola to me. I don't know. It's Mr. Men's shoe repair now. Oh, this this may be Eleanor's murder may be the first time that somebody is killed in the same building where Barnaby and Jones are currently at. I believe that's from my notes, too. Number two, this entire scene, I'm watching Garth like a hawk. Yeah. (laughs) How could he be the killer? He's right there. He's right there. Because he's not the killer. I realize that now. So my my rabbit hole of doom for this episode was would being in a dryer actually kill you? Okay, before that. So what happens is there's all this tension in the bar mm-hmm. and they go and talk to- Between the city yobs and the town towny yobs. Yep. Locals versus city, including toy props. Yeah. Did you notice that- Like, did he bring that with him for that purpose, hoping that the Metro tossers would show up? <laughs> did you notice way back in the beginning, I forgot to mention it. One of their Range Rovers, they've added an S to the front of it. 
So it says Strange Rover on the front of it. And I'm like, that would be I a, want a Strange Rover. That would be an S and a T. Yeah, a, an S and a T. I like that. Yeah, Strange Rover. I support that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that all's going in the bar. Now, the other people in the bar are Martin, Eleanor, who is at this point basically yelling out to anyone who will listen. I know who the killer is. Do-da, I'm going to tell. Do-da. Christine's there. Mm-hmm. Garth is there. Yep. Julia is there. Yep. Brad, of course, is there. Yep. Mandy and, and the Metro Tossers. Mandy and the Metro Tossers are there. The Gemma is not there. Eggs. Uh, and Matt. <laughs> Eggs. Matt and <laughs> Barnaby and Jones go and talk in their office. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So that's the scene. Well, and they're looking for Eleanor. So they go looking for Eleanor, who was supposedly filling, doing laundry. It's not my job. But you went and did it later. <laughs> Wash the towels anyway, lady. Um. So then they look in the laundry and they don't see her and they're all about to leave. But Barnaby stops. He sees the shoe and he hears the dryer. Kathunk. Kathunk. <laughs> They, they don't give you a reason at first why he stops. They, they show the shoe, right? You can see the shoe before they even, you when do, they first come can. in, you can see it there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Her okay. pump is on the mat in front of the dryer. Because Eleanor is in the dryer. Yes. And Tom's face, like, oh. It's a dun, 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 like a dramatic, like, <gasps> face. There was a murder 50 yards away from Burnaby, at most 50 yards. And nobody else gives a shit. We're having a bar fight. They could come in and go, Eleanor's dead. And they'd be like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to punch this guy. (laughs) I'm going to headbutt her. I don't care if somebody's dead in the next room. So here's my theory. I think Julia- Oh, no, Strange Rover's here. Okay. Sorry. I'm glad you pointed that out at this moment. My theory is that Julia would have had to like bonk Eleanor on the head and maybe knock her out. With a blunt object. Something. A towel. I don't know. And, and then pushed her the rest of the way in. Yeah. Um, because I went down the rabbit hole to find out exactly how you would die if you were in a industrial tumble dryer like that one is. Okay. We kind of need a dryer like that, you know? We do. For our family. We have a million children. Um, we we'll all wear merchandise now. <laughs> just the amount of time that passes. If she was uninjured before going in the dryer, she would not be dead yet. It's like insta-death. Yeah. There. So I went looking for what would happen to you if you got in a dryer. So commercial dryers and residential dryers, both, they go up to about 145 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that would really that would really hurt you initially if the motor didn't stop right away from your weight. Yeah. And I would assume this wouldn't because yeah. a load of wet towels would weigh quite a bit. As so much th- as Eleanor. So this dryer could could handle her weight. Yeah. Um, would be the tumbling. And that your neck would probably get broken, your arms and legs, you know, you definitely would get hurt if you were in there for any amount of time. But then the second thing that might kill you is that the way a dryer circulates air is it's blowing and sucking air in and out of the drum all the time. Yeah. So it's blowing in warm air and then sucking that air back out to take the moisture out of the air. Yeah. So there's not really a lot of sort of oxygen in there. That's why it gets... Like that um, condensation on the glass. Yeah. yeah. So you you would have trouble breathing, even if you weren't being tumbled around. There's a around. vacuum there. Well, the- it's not that it's a vacuum. It's that there's very little accessible air and it would be very hot. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't want to take a deep breath because it would be hot. She'd certainly get burnt. You would get burnt eventually on the sides of the dryer. Mm-hmm. Your skin wouldn't like it. But 
In this one, I think you probably just break your neck. But what we know, what really happens to Eleanor is that she gets pressed up against the door of the dryer and just rotate. And turned into a three-dimensional object. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, a two-dimensional object. Yes. But it is definitely next to like the trebuchet with the wine bottles, one of yeah. the most innovative ways to kill somebody in midsummer is to shove them in a dryer. What we can best see is they've taken a picture of Eleanor that's blurry and put it in the dryer that goes round and round, and they show it just for a second. Just long enough for you to know that it's her in there and that she's probably dead. Luckily, they have a Sacco dryer tech to deal with this all. What would be in the lint trap if you killed oh, somebody in the dryer? It would be nasty. <laughs> Eleanor chunks. <laughs> Crouch chunks. So two things happen. So normally, this is a crime scene. Everybody has to be interviewed. It's Mm -hmm. really ordered, and Barnaby would take control of the situation. But no, there's a bar fight. Yeah. But before the bar fight is the facts. So what's her name? WPC, what is her last name? I don't don't know. The the WBC that we've seen in the last couple episodes. Brings him a fax from the prison in London where How Tomlin does has she done his time. Know that he's there. No, she gives that to him in the in the hallway because he's asked her to get the answer. Yeah, but how does she know he's at the hotel? Because he's going there to question people officially, to bring them into the side room and to question them about Guy's murder. So she's there to help him cue uh, people okay. up to be interviewed, which okay. is why Brad's like, How long is it gonna take, man? I got things to do. Um, and then they find Eleanor. Yeah. So she's there to, to help organize interviews. Okay. And then Eleanor gets killed. And then Christina and Mandy get in a fight. And then everybody gets unemployed. Did yes. you notice that? Yes. Garth gets fired. Martin quits. And then the headbutt happens. Eleanor dies. There's really only Matt runs this hotel now. So Mandy headbutts Christine. Mm-hmm. Two of the most appropriate headbutted people ever. She's Christina. Christina. She has to kind of jump up to do it. <laughs> Got kind of hop. And then. Oh, my nose. Oh, no. Then Tom gets punched. Is yeah. this the first blood that we've seen from Tom Barnaby? Um, Maybe. It's definitely the first time first. he's been like punched by a civilian. Did you notice how cuddly Joyce was in this uh, scene? Yeah. She's very. She's she's affectionate this whole episode because his birthday is coming. Mm-hmm. She's like, I love when you come over all protective. Do it again. Yep. <laughs> and she's fixing his nose. Yeah, he's got blood on his shirt. So they go see Jane Wilson and find out that Tomlinson Tomlin Tomlin is innocent. Yes, her sister was the key witness in having him convicted for this sexually motivated murder. But she realizes too late that she's not really sure that he's who she saw. But because she's already sold her story to a paper to a journalist who was Julia at the time, she can't take that back or express any question about the veracity of her witness statement because then she'd have to repay the money. There's something weird about Mrs. Wilson's house that I don't understand. Okay. Her doorbell is in the middle of her door. Yeah. And it's not a wireless doorbell. Nowadays, you could stick a doorbell. wired in the door. It's like an old school doorbell, but it's in the middle of her door. And I just don't know how that would work. I don't know. Why did they take her to Julia to accuse her? I don't know. You would never bring a witness in front of an, somebody you're accusing. Yeah. She's there to just go, yeah, here's my side of the story. Here's mm. the badger picture. By the way, my brother makes charcoal. <laughs> Loads of it. Axie Garth is Axie. Out at Garth's charcoal hut in the middle of the wood. 
Do you know how you make charcoal? So I know of making charcoal from what I know from Stardew Valley. So you get a charcoal kiln, mm-hmm. and you fill it full of wood, mm-hmm. and you run it until it becomes charcoal. You use hardwood yeah. that doesn't break up into ash very easily. You get it fully on fire. Every piece of wood has to be burning. And then you limit the air. Oh, okay. Like, that's why it's a kiln, because yeah. then you, you can do it in a barrel or whatever. You put a cap on it so that it then burns itself out. And what it's burning off are all of the gases and the chemicals that are in the wood. And what is left is just the carbon of that wood. And that's what you use for charcoal. Wow. So they take Mrs. Wilson to Midsummer Life, and she accuses Julia, and we get the recreation of the crime. Mm-hmm. And there's a big problem with the recreation of one of the crimes. Yeah, because we see Julia slitting Tomlin's throat, seemingly like in her kitchen or something. I don't know where that is. It's not in the hotel. It has to be in her place. He has to have come to her house to accuse her, and she slits his throat, it, which would, would be an incredible mess. There would be blood everywhere it would be quite the crime scene but i love it i don't think that's where she actually killed him she goes well arrest me then and barnaby's like okay Okay. (laughs) and then we get the midsummer's local all-star lady rubberneckers team yes across the street none of these women ever appear at anything else what's going on over there like they won the contest they're the contest winners (laughs) you too could be an extra in a midsummer murders episode Fill out this postcard and mail it in. Angry Axie Garth is axing. How does he know who Joyce is? When Joyce approaches his little cabin, yep. he says, Mrs. Barnaby, you shouldn't have come here. Yes. And what's she doing digging around in charcoal bags? I don't know. Why would you do that? Joyce is Joyce is the good kind of nosy. Well, Eleanor is the bad kind of nosy. She does sense. have on a very nice trench coat. She does. With the p- collar popped in the right way. She finds a skull. Yeah. That skull would be in much, like, to, to, to burn a body like that would take a long time. Making charcoal takes a long time. Yeah. You put the lid on the barrel and then you leave it for like 12 to 14 hours. Yeah, I think so. I think that would do it. Is Charlie Finlayson the worst spy ever? Yes. He goes to a tree in the middle of a field and stands beside the tree so you could clearly see him. It's like the Monty Python skit, How Not to Be Seen. Yeah. It's like that kind of hider. And then Garth's like, ooh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to chase you even though you're in a car. I don't understand. Like, okay, I realize that Julia has made poor choices in her life. Mm-hmm. She kind of blackmailed that woman into putting Tomlinson, Tomlinson. Tomlin. Tomlin in jail. Okay? Yes. I know she's made poor choices. Yes. But at what point? point do you say my boyfriend is out of town so let's go to his house and swim in his pool i I just think it was a weird i don't know what what she sees in garth garth shows no passion or enthusiasm about anything the rest of the episode so no i don't know why she he would be willing to be her henchman yeah but she knows tomlin's coming yeah so she's on the lookout. So when she sees Charlie, she thinks it's Tomlin. Yep. And she's like, get him. He's like, get okay. Him. Okay. I only came for the charcoal. Garth only helped with the disposal of the body. That's all. He's not bad. He just chopped a body up with an axe and burned it. <laughs> That's bad, Joyce. <laughs> okay. Tom's birthday party. Poor Tom. There's lots of people. Yeah. It's raining. 
I say it's not nice to make Tom cook his own food at the party, but I, I don't know. I think he's kind of the kind of guy who would like appreciate just being out at the grill. And that's not the problem I have. <laughs> the problem I have is George reaches down and takes some silky material. It's corn silk. They've got corn on the cob. It's of the sausage. That's all it is. It's just weird for me to see him do it. Like, and then I start thinking about being a filmmaker. Like, did they put it on every time and then he took it off every time? Like, Or did he improvise that? Did he improvise Just that? to have something yeah. to do with his hands? Your Cumberlands need turning. Sausage in a coil is weird to us. They, yeah. We... No, you do not see that here. I mean, maybe if you went to a fancy butcher shop or something, but you just do not see coils of sausage, but. No. Okay. You want to do best corpse or. Well, that was kind of like a downer though. Like the end is like, oh, and then there's sausage. Yeah. Eleanor was in a dryer for God's <laughs> sakes. Don't forget that. Metro tossers, Eleanor in the dryer, burnt sausages. The moving lump. The Brad's magical moving lump. Yep. Yes. Okay. Best corpse. Oh! <gasps> Nice corpse. Okay, we have Charlie. Guy and Eleanor. Guy and Eleanor. I'm going to say Guy. Because he's on the ground with the spike. Yeah. Yeah, you almost have to separate best death versus best corpse. Because Eleanor is the best death. She may be the best death this season. Yes, but but she's not really a corpse. No. He's the only... And you would say, oh, Charlie's a nasty corpse, but we don't really see anything but that one patch of suit with maggots on it. We don't even know what part of his body that is. So, yeah, And why did that happen? Yeah, uh, I give it to Guy. Guy. Yeah. Okay. After the credits? Sure. Now, mind you, I've got two horrible movies to run past you, too. Yeah, we'll do after the credits. Okay. So, Christina lives in her nice house in Kensington. Yes. She's just fine. She's absolutely fine. Uh, maybe she can loan Martin some money. And he can start a... Though he has a very nice house for a bartender. Oh, yes, it was bankrupt. Extremely nice house. <laughs> I hope Freddie uh, Tomlin uh, gets justice. Yeah. Maybe get some money. Yeah. Matt, Miss, Mrs. Wilson will feel better because she got it off her chest. Uh, Matt Moorcraft uh, has a crappy hotel. That he has to run by himself. Yeah, he's all alone now. So do you think Garth is going to go to prison? I think Garth has got to go to prison. But not for long. No. Not like Julia. All he did was chop up the body. Uh, Okay. We know that. He's just an accessory. Yeah. So Gemma can go on drawing cannibal birds. I think Gemma takes over the magazine. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you don't know who Guy's will would give it to. Yeah. We would guess Christina. You would think Christina owns the magazine and the house now, too. No. No. Why would he leave it to Christina? She's his ex. What? They don't, don't have any he, kids. He doesn't have any family that we know of, so I don't know who he'd leave it to. This is another episode that we've seen a couple of times where people who should have children don't have children. Mm-hmm. Well, they married later, I would guess. Okay. Speaking of Guy, he's played by Simon Williams. Yes. Who was, a, he's probably best known for being an upstairs downstairs. Okay. But then he was in a, a Murdoch episode called Downstairs Upstairs. He was? Yes, which is funny. Oh. He was also in this really weird show called Kinvig. Are we in the next part or are we still? No, I'm just, while we're thinking about who's dead and who's not and who's given their thing, I just realized that I didn't mention that. Kinvig. Kinvig about a guy who's kind of a loser, but then realizes that this lady he's met is actually an alien from the planet Mercury. I can't make this stuff up. What? <laughs> I know. That's what I said. It's, it's from 1981. Ken Big. Wow. You can Google it. <laughs> the 
BBC sitting there going, what can we do to compete with Mork and Mindy? <laughs> so Brad and Mandy just go off in their four by four and are nasty to somebody else. Right. Yeah, they're, so there's nothing they're on there. To the next thing. And that's kind of it. Yep. I still can't get over the fact that the actress who plays Julia, her real name is Pookie. Her name is Pookie Quiznell? Quiznell? Quesnell? Quesnell, maybe? It's still Pookie. Is Pookie short for something? Not that I could maybe find. Maybe Prunella? I don't know. Which is a real name. We're not making fun of no, no, making no. up this name. Prunella is a real name in England. I know. It's a horrible name. Yeah. And I would, if I was named Prunella, I would <laughs> rather go by Pookie. But Dorcas is a real name too, you know? Yeah. But yeah. the only Pookie I've ever heard is uh, Badger's Drift. Yeah, it's the, the pet name that the wife has for the doctor. Yep. He call, she calls him Pookie. Yep. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for your bad movies? Okay. Hit me up with some bad movies. This movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. I have two horrible movies. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say I'm going to be two for two. Okay, that's your prediction. So the first one is a 1971 film that Simon Williams is in, and he's the guy who plays Guy Sands in this episode. Okay. And I will, uh, I'll read you the synopsis and see if you can name it, okay? Yep. When a mysterious corpse is accidentally dug up by a boy in a small town, a group of local teens start acting very strangely. The adolescents, led by a girl named Angel, are convinced the corpse was once possessed. Hoping to get in touch with the devil through the body, the teens act out a series of demonic rituals that cause a stir among the townspeople. When word of the satanic activity spreads, certain parents start trying to lock up the kids behind the spooky stunts. I have never seen this movie. It's called The Blood on Satan's Claw. It's not a Hammer oh, movie. I've seen the poster, but I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, Blood on Satan's Claw. I've seen the poster One for point sure. for me. Yep, yep, yep. I know of that movie, but I've never seen it. Okay. The second one may be the most current movie we've ever mentioned. Okay. It is a 2009 movie. Ooh. And uh, Mayanna Burling, who plays Mandy the Headbutter yeah. in this episode, is in it. Their women have been enslaved by the local pack of lesbian vampires thanks to an ancient curse. The remaining menfolk of a rural town send two hapless young lads out into the moors as a sacrifice. <laughs> you could almost guess the name from the synopsis, but you haven't seen this, have you? No, I haven't. It is called Lesbian Vampire Killers. Okay. I was... <laughs> James Cordry's in it. Yes. Isn't that his name? Is James Cordry? Yeah. Who does the late night show now? Yeah. Yeah. He's in it. Yeah. I, I've seen, again, I, I think I saw the trailer for this show, <laughs> but I looked at it and went. It gets like half a tomato on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, and it's 2009. So the kids are like tiny. So yeah. I'm not going to be watching this movie yeah. in the house. Like there's going to be boobs in this movie. Speaking of boobs. There was a movie I wanted to list here yeah. that I could not find a synopsis that I thought was safe for the podcast. Wow. That Simon Williams, Guy Sands, is in. It's called The Touchables. Ooh. And it's about four ladies who kidnap a, a rock pop star. And then there's like satanic stuff that goes on. And his friends have to come and rescue him with like guns and stuff. And even the posters are probably X-rated. My gosh, why have I not seen that movie? <laughs> you want to talk about movies you can't see when the kids are around? The um, Touchables. The Touchables. You can't even look at the posters when the kids are I'll, around. I'll put the And they're 19. I'll put so the, the posters for all these in. You might have to put some notes. bars over the Touchable posters. Wow. 
It's that bad. Wow. So you went two for two? Good yeah, job. two for two. Good job. I think that if I remember right, the poster for The Touchables says a stag movie for gentlemen. But it was a wide release movie. It wasn't. Wow. So that is Midsummer Life. It is. Midsummer. The moral of the story is don't be a tosser. Yes. And don't work for a local magazine unless you stay away from dryers. Uh, and don't go on errands of doom. Listen, when somebody says, stay safe, don't get me charcoal for my birthday. Yes. <laughs> what's up next, honey? Midsummer Maniacs. <laughs> no, what's our next episode? Our next, uh, our next episode is one of my favorites, The Magician's Nephew. Mm, magic tricks. <laughs> I love that it has magic. I love that it has secret books and booksellers and all this good stuff. Yep. It's a good end. We're out of our streak of dark, serious episodes. Yep. Uh, you can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We also post on Facebook groups for uh, Midsummer and Acorn and subreddit for anywhere else and the subreddit and anywhere else you find maniacs which are apparently all over the place now because they order stuff which is incredible i'm so excited to donate that money again look on any post i have between now and christmas the shop will be in there yep and if you've got more ideas for designs keep sending them in i'm always happy to be inspired thank you for all the ones that you already sent in some of you probably noticed that i definitely took inspiration from some of the ideas that you shared let's let's promise this right now if we Get $500 before we get to Christmas. We'll do more design. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yep. All right, Maniacs. Till next time. Bye, Maniac. Bye, Maniac. cardboard and stick it inside the dryer door yes or is that after effect no i i think they put it on a piece of cardboard <laughs> and shoved it in the door and turned the dryer on i may have to make that and put it in our dryer and just film it <laughs> <laughs>